that's a growler. Great news from Growler Media. We're announcing a new podcast, The NeverEnding Minute, where Tierney and Thomas will be breaking down and analyzing the never-ending story one minute at a time. Be sure to check out the pilot and subscribe because new episodes will be coming out starting July 3rd. Welcome once again to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one door-banging minute at a time. I'm Bobby. And I'm Janae. And once again, we have here, for the last time, Nathan from A Goofy Movie Minute Podcast. Hey, I'm Nathan. Thanks for having me again. I'm so sad this is the last minute, but it's my favorite minute of cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Pretty (laughs) (laughs) all-encompassing. So obviously I'm a big fan of this minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this minute is minute 33, and it starts with Mrs. Potts and Lumiere yelling, You must control your temper! (laughs) And ends with Beast (laughs) reacting to the rejection of his nice dinner invitation. Yeah, they left us with a cliffhanger last time, huh? And above all... Yeah. What was the most important thing? It's mm-hmm. the one that they both agreed on in the advice. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> the one that they agreed on. <laughs> because he has issues with it. Just saying. Do you think he always did, or did he get a worse temper when he became a monstrous beast? Mm. I think he probably got a worse temper, but he probably always had somewhat of a temper. Yeah. I think that's what got him into trouble in the first place, but it probably has gotten worse because of his condition. Yeah, well, because, so he got turned into a beast because he turned away an ugly woman because he didn't know that she was actually beautiful, but now he's going to redeem himself by earning the affection of a girl who is beautiful and whose name is literally Beauty. Yep. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really seem like a <laughs> But he's not pretty. But he's the one who's ugly now. Uh, so he's the person on the door now. Yeah. He should have had to go door to door until somebody bought his rose. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a curse that passes along from person to person. Yeah. Hi, I'm Beast, and my troop is trying to earn some money by selling these roses that curse you and everyone in your house. <laughs> That's pretty much Girl Scout cookies. I was watching this interview with Samuel L. Jackson where he was doing these um, Facebook rants, and one of them was about Girl Scout cookies. It was really funny. We should all share that on the listeners group. It was really funny. It doesn't have anything to do with Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I was waiting for the tie-in. It has no, I, there is no tie-in. Just the fact that you were talking about taking the rose around like Girl Scout. That is the only tie-in whatsoever. <laughs> I just liked it and thought it was funny. So So do y'all think it makes a difference that as they're yelling, you must control your temper is like he's already overwhelmed and he's covering his face and like grabbing his head out of frustration. Like, does he even hear them yelling that? Maybe that's why he doesn't control his temper later in this minute. Oh, interesting. Oh, I had not even thought of that. But he's not a fool. He should just know that already. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) According to him. (laughs) And 
we talked about this a little bit, I guess it was yesterday or the day before, but, you know, they're definitely being very bold at this time to yell at their prince who is in charge of their lives and can smash them into little bits. Well, maybe um, they think if they don't yell at this point, he won't hear them because he's literally about to lose his temper. <laughs> he gets pretty loud, as you can tell a little bit later on when he realizes that she's not coming. <laughs> he can be very vocal. Yes. Lumia, have you, have you ever seen Doonesbury, the comic strip? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I've never really read it, but I've seen it. He's got a Doonesbury nose, and he actually looks like a character that's in Doonesbury called Mr. Butts, that's a cigarette, who parodies advertising tobacco products to children. Oh, man. That's a deep pull. I don't know if that that relates to today's youth. Well, maybe they were drawing from Lumiere. How long has that been around? Uh, Probably the 70s. Oh. But it's still going. Just kidding, never mind. I have no idea. But I don't know when Mr. Butts was about. My favorite is his face. I took a still of his face in the anticipation, like when you hear the jangle of the door handle, which I don't know why the door handle would jangle, because they just open on their own. It's not like Cogsworth can open the door with the handle. But aside from that... I love his face. He just gets so excited and his eyes are all big and he's like, has his jaw kind of hanging open and he's so excited for a second and then he's so disappointed it's not her. His ears go down and they look really cute when he gets disappointed. (laughs) But it's such a good fake out because they say that she's there and then you see the door handle, which is clearly what a human would use. But then then it opens down there. The last um, person he wants to see. Cogsworth <laughs> has a stutter in the middle of the word good. Good! Or something like that. I don't know how he does it, but I thought it was so funny. He just gets so nervous. Well, as well he should be. And yeah. that's one of my notes in here is like you can almost see him like playing out the scenario that's about to happen. And he's like, okay, how can I try to mitigate this? Like, what can I say to possibly not make him explode? Like, I know he's about to explode. And so he keeps, like, starting over, and he just gives up in the end. I love the very first thing is the beast says, well, where is she? And Cogsworth says, who? Yeah. (laughs) Like, what do you mean, who? Yep, play dumb. Try and play dumb. See if that's going to work for you. But then he tries to spin it. I, like, wrote down exactly what he says. Well, actually, she's in the process of circumstances being what they are. She's not coming. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, sometimes for Disney, the animators are such professionals, and they'll bring in, like, uh, I know they brought in animals for Lion King, you know, Uh dogs or cats or whatever, to make sure their movements are really natural. I like to think that they brought in a real-life cowering man to base (laughs) all of his movements off of, real sniveling, like, like, (laughs) flinching and stuff. And they're like, make sure you get that flinch. Make sure you get his eyes changing from solid to, to not solid. Solid to ringed. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, who? Oh, the girl. <laughs> this is so funny. 
Oh my god. Oh, his eyes changing from solid to ring is kind of like those two hands that you were talking about on a couple minutes ago. Oh. Weird. I just think it's weird. Well, I like that when he finally says, she's not coming. Like, he, you can just, like, see him wilt. Like, that's the only word I yeah. can think of. Like, he, he just, like, wilts. He's like, oh. I have I no excuse. <laughs> she's not coming. <laughs> what? He much angrier. Well, I, I really loved how they did this artistically because then it cuts to a shot of outside and the door's cracked and you can just see light coming through it and you just hear the what and it booms and then you see him burst out of those doors and I thought it was awesome. I loved how they did that. Instead of like showing his actual face and reaction stuff, it had a different effect by doing it this way. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good because it only gets a little bit louder, but by changing the perspective to being further away, you'd interpret that loudness as being really loud. Yes. Because you're hearing it from the next room through a closed door. Yes, exactly. So if you watch this, like, frame by frame as he busts through the door, he's going full tilt at this thing, and he hits <laughs> it with his shoulder, and they animated the doors to, like, warp and push out with the force. It's not just slamming the doors open. Like, the bottom where he hits them bends out and flexes huh. as the doors, like, bust open. <laughs> and he does, like, a nine-foot jump from inside the room to the outside. <sighs> He's wow. not a happy camper. Well, and then it's just so funny in comparison to the three servants who are, like, toddling after him. Like, they're toddling fast, but it still looks like toddling to me, whatever that is. <laughs> they don't have knees. Because they're so little and they go, they go pretty fast. But I love the, his cape in this minute and his like, he's going so fast, he slides past the staircase and has to like slow down in the slide to change directions so he can go up the stairs. He's always sliding all over that marble. He must be so frustrated. Yeah. yeah. It's not the best flooring for a beast. Then he jumps all the way up the staircase to the landing, which is just yeah. so impressive. And it's it's really... It, they have a lot of moments in this first part of the movie where they just show his power and yeah. how intimidating he can be, which is I think it's really good because it's kind of easy to forget about, especially when he's looking really cute like he was a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Cogsworth was really not that far behind him. He jumped a decent amount of stairs. It wasn't like one or two stairs. It was like five or six stairs at one time. I don't know if you noticed that, but... Yeah, he just... He didn't take long to get up there. Nope. There was one thing uh, before they leave the room I forgot to mention. There's these, this, like, pot next to the door when Cogsworth first comes in. And, like, an urn, I guess. I don't know what it's called. But it's got, like, this weird, like, I don't know if it's a baby's face or, like, a little dwarf or something. It looks like a baby face with a little baby hat and then, like, a beard on it. What? It's really weird. It's, like, very detailed and very weird. And so I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> the creepy baby dwarf urn thing. Oh, my goodness. I love that you had to go back to talk about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> I feel like there's... What other podcast is going to cover that baby, bearded baby door thing? Not, exactly. That's why we had Somebody to Somebody <laughs> spent a lot of time drawing that. And it's probably like, no one even noticed my <laughs> baby dwarf urn. Baby dwarf urn. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like there's a dead baby dwarf cremated inside <laughs> when you say it that way. Uh, <laughs> jar? What do you call those things? I don't know. Man. He basically... I'm surprised that he doesn't knock down that door with how hard he's pounding when he gets up there. Those first three knocks. Yeah. It shakes the entire animation. <laughs> they, 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 it's like the whole room moves. Like They just moved the sheet. And then I love that he's like you'll come out or and then there's like this pause and then he says i'll break down the door but it just made me think of like the moments i mean i i'm not a parent so i haven't had this happen to me or anything but like when parents are like do this or else or else <laughs> and it's like <laughs> what can i come up with to threaten you that will make you do what i want you to do uh oh uh, nothing they never nothing <laughs> <laughs> and his hackles are up again. Yeah. yeah. Which I wanted to look up the definition of. They're the erectile hairs along the back of a dog or other animal that rise when it is angry or alarmed. Mm-hmm. I knew what they were, but I didn't know what right. the definition was. Yeah, we he, he he's very expressive with his hackles because he gets mad a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see it a lot. His temper. I wanted to mention the... Uh, the statues outside of Bell's doors. Did we talk about those before? No. Okay, I wasn't sure if we did or not. But, you know, most of the statues are kind of like scary gargoyle-ish. We saw some that were just like normal lions. But outside of Bell's door here, there are two, like, figures, on each one on each side of her door, that's like a woman with, like, a thing on her head, like a shawl, scarfy thing, and they're each holding, like, a huge double-handed broadsword in a downward position kind of like guarding her doors and i tried to look up and see if that was like a normal thing for like maybe to have outside of royalty's rooms was to have these you know guardian statue figures um and they're definitely women and i just thought it was kind of interesting that you have these guardian figures outside of her door yeah i hadn't noticed those but yeah that's i I couldn't find any information kind of really cool they should probably do their job because now would be a good time to guard the door. <laughs> well, he he doesn't break it down. No. That's true. There's some fleur-de-lis over their heads, too. Yeah. Oh, to, uh, this is, I have to go back for a second. When the When he's bursting out of the room, when they're trying to calm him down and then he runs out, this, I don't know why this bothered me so much, but you've been hearing the fireplace the entire scene and the fireplace sound stops. Oh. Well, is, maybe you wouldn't hear the... it from outside. I mean, the only no, reason you can hear him is because it cuts off in the middle of a scene. Hmm. Oh, it's in the middle of the scene. Yeah, it's it's just it cuts to another angle, but they're still in the same room, oh. and then the fireplace stops. Oops. Well, the microphones probably weren't pointed at the fireplace anymore, so they didn't pick up the crackling <laughs> 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 when they filmed this. <laughs> yeah. When they filmed this. Uh huh. So I. I really, uh, well, I don't like, but I like the uh, the expressions of Lumiere, Mrs. Potts, and Cogsworth as he's banging on the door and yelling. 
And they just look so sad and disappointed. They're like, yeah. oh, there goes our only chance. <laughs> this is the end. We're stuck forever. <laughs> I love that one of them says, please attempt to be a gentleman. <laughs> like come on buddy try just try stop with the threats already uh. <laughs> lumiere says master i could be wrong but that may not be the best way to win the girl's affection <laughs> he is the king of passive language <laughs> well he kind of has to be because anytime that they tell the beast to do something he blows up on him and he usually ends up following their advice or trying to but uh, if you do it in a way that's not sounding like a command, then it plays off a little a little better with a beast. Yeah. Uh, I love that the irony of saying, but she's being so difficult. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, she's being difficult. <laughs> Look who's talking. Uh, yeah, he gets, he gets this really reluctant face and tone. It's like he's talking to parents or a teacher. Yeah. It, it really highlights how emotionally immature he is. Uh, yeah. But like, how do you learn to deal with people when everyone you know is an indentured servant and they're also not people? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a lot of advantages. Yeah. I think the, the last thing I have on this minute is just that when we are looking at the, the servants and they're on the rug, like... The rug, you can see the individual threads, like, of the weaving of the rug. And I'm like, what? You don't notice that when you're watching the movie because it goes by in a few seconds and you're paying attention mm. to the characters. But it's like, man, somebody sat there and drew or painted or whatever each of these, like, individual threads on the embroidery on the rug. They just put so much work into this movie. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love um, one of my last thoughts. Is that they they are like gentle, gentle, and he says in such a generous and gracious way, of course, would you come down to dinner or something like that? And he just says it like I imagine a little kid saying mm-hmm. sorry when it's like their parents say, tell your sister you're sorry for hitting her or whatever. And you say it, but you don't really mean it. I feel like that's exactly how he says his line here. <laughs> Totally. And she says no. And like she's being so brave because she's going on this little hunger strike. Yeah. She has no cards to play at all. <laughs> she's just trapped in this room and she's like, well, I'm going to make it uncomfortable for you. You don't also get me to be all witty at dinner. And she, does, she doesn't even have the benefit of knowing that there's a curse that she could break. Like everybody else knows. But as far as I remember, no one told her, hey, there's a curse on this guy that you could break. So you have a big trump card you could play. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I was going to say I think it's a good thing that she doesn't know. I don't think it would work if she did know. Right. But I'm just saying the fact that she doesn't know means that she's being even braver cuz he right. for all right. she knows he can just b- break down the door and come eat her. This is true. There's there's no reason for him not to. Yeah. And the ultimate best moment of this whole minute, possibly the whole movie up to this point is his look grunt and point. After she says no. <laughs> it's it's made me laugh every time I've seen it. And and then earlier this minute at the beginning, when you mentioned that that was the end of the minute, I laughed again. <laughs> just knowing that that was coming up. 
Bobby made a gif of it and sent it to me. We're going to have to post that because it's so perfect. It's pretty awesome. He's just got this, like, see? See? Being polite didn't work. <laughs> I am justified. <laughs> I shouldn't have even done that. I should have I should have done the break down the door plan. That was the real plan that would have worked, and this one didn't. See where your advice has gotten me? <laughs> now I look like an idiot. <laughs> I love that. Well, since this is our last minute with you, Nathan, we like to ask people, what was your first experience with Beauty and the Beast? Or what do you remember of it? Or growing up, what role did it play in your life? Tell us tell us about your experience with Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I'm not sure if I saw it in the theater or on home video cassette the first time. But I do remember seeing it the first time. And what I really remember is thinking the Beast was kind of cool. And at the end, when he turns in spoilers, when he turns into a human being with a white flowy shirt, I was so disappointed. Yeah. My, my little, I was just a little kid. What a sellout, man. <laughs> used to be cool. He used to be able to fight people with, with arrows up on top of the <laughs> castle. And now he's just going to be a normal, boring guy. Well, he's Probably not just a normal, boring job. guy. He's a Frenchman, which... <laughs> Okay. I have nothing against the French, but he's got like long hair and he looks, you know, he doesn't, they don't try to make him look like, hey, I'm an impressive, beastly kind of guy. He's a very feminine, in my opinion, looking dude. So he goes from being this awesome beast to like, oh, that guy's kind of girly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he could at have least... at least had a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a smoother transition? <laughs> Give us a mustache. I remember as a kid being like, that guy looks kind of like a girl and having like some confusion about that as a very young child. (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever get it, find it attractive when Bugs Bunny would dress up as a girl bunny? (laughs) (laughs) That's from Wayne's World. (laughs) (laughs) And one other thing about Beauty and the Beast is it's so refreshing to go back to the time before every character was just a celebrity mm-hmm. they're actually voice actors or or real actors not just yes if they were to i mean i guess they did re- just remake this and they kind of <laughs> did that but but when they were remade it they were trying to stick with the tone of the original so i still think they were pretty restrained but if they were just going to make this movie now they'd be like oh we want the the clock should be tj miller and you know and and roseanne barr will, will be wisecracking as mrs potts and stuff it just seems like that's what we're kind of expected now and it's more important than necessarily getting the heart out of it sometimes is is making sure that all this the funny characters are actual comedians and they started it not too long after this because little mermaid's pure beauty and the beast is pure uh what was next aladdin you know had robin williams and that kind of kicked it off and then after that like lion king it's all celebrities is it i never thought about that yeah pretty much like matthew broderick james earl jones JTT. JTT. <laughs> I loved him. Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> He's still alive. Okay, I guess me. when I was a kid, I didn't know all those people were famous when I watched it. But yeah. I think in the new Beauty and the Beast, they totally did do that. I was kind of actually disappointed with some of the performances from some of the more famous people. So. You and McGregor? Or, or um, yes, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I, don't get me wrong. I love Every actor they have in there, I love. I just did not love them in this movie, necessarily. I did not like Ewan McGregor in this film. I did not like... 
Oh, flip. Why do I always forget that guy's name? Cogsworth. Oh. Ian McKellen. I did not... Well, I mean... And I liked Emma Watson, but I did not like her singing voice because they mm. auto-tuned her so much. No. And I mean, I just missed. I just missed the days when they hired people for musicals who were singers and actors. Yeah, that's that's true. That's that's I guess what they. they you're right. They did kind of do that for the new one. I thought Audra McDonald was great in it, but she ha- She is a singer. She is a Broadway musical star. She. I mean, it makes sense to put her in there. I was surprised by Stanley Tucci. I thought he was actually really good, surprisingly. But he was a smaller character that wasn't an iconic role. It was one that was kind of added in. So that one's kind of doesn't really count so much. But I don't know. Yeah, Josh Gad was good, but he, but he's definitely more of a Broadway actor than a celebrity. It's it's that line that they crossed, and then they started crossing it really hard where they actually advertise the voice actors in the promotional materials. And if you go back and watch those old Disney movies, voice acting is just, it's only a very small part of what goes into making right. a full-length animated movie. And so there's animators and, head, you know, there's all different kinds of music supervisors and stuff that are in there too. And it takes a while to get to the people that were doing the voices because, I mean, honestly, it's probably the easiest job, right. even though it's a very important job. But you just go into the booth and do your voice. Well... I, well, I mean, being a voice but, actor myself is not yeah. always that easy. But, <laughs> but I mean, compared to like painstakingly animating, right? It is itself. not nearly the same as animation. I'm not saying it's comparable. I'm just saying. I didn't mean to demean. No, voice no, no. Actor. It's okay. I love voice actors. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, no. I think you're right. It probably is one of the less. I mean, it's probably one of the less time-consuming parts of the whole thing. I mean, everyone else spends years and years and years animating, and it takes, like, a few weeks to record the stuff. So it's definitely a different yeah, it's, category of commitment. It's just that before it seemed like it was all pieces of a big puzzle. Right. And then later on, they started realizing people don't actually care about those other jobs that much, and they don't really recognize them but then by not by not putting those front and center they reinforce that to where people probably think the most important Art. person in making toy story is you know, tom hanks or something yeah yeah instead of john lassiter right yeah i definitely fell into that camp up until very recently but especially what we were since we've been working on this movie i'm like oh wait like everything that goes into this is you know the animators and the sound people and the people that put the story together, and the the actors, like you said, they they just come in and do their little bit, and they're out of there pretty quick. And hopefully, they do a good job because if not, then everybody else's work was uh, you don't pay attention to it as much if the the voice actors don't do their job well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that was the last thing I had about the movie as a whole. Awesome. Well, we are so glad that you got to come on and talk with us about Beating the Beast because we love it. And uh, we're glad you got to share that with us. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a blast. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. We have had a really great time talking about Beast today and his petulance. And we 
are excited for you to join us again. In the meantime, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Facebook at Beastly Minute as well as on Twitter. If you would like to go directly to our website, we're at growlermedia.com and you can email Bobby through that means. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me at janae.hyatt at gmail.com. You can also find me on YouTube. I've got some samples of uh, voice work that I've done on there that you are more than welcome to listen to and share or contact me if you are interested in my work. If people would like to get a hold of you, how is the best way f- to get in touch with you, Nathan? Well, you can listen to a Goofy Movie Minute at the iTunes Podcast Store or Stitcher. And if you Google a Goofy Movie Minute, we are now the number one thing that will come up, I think. <gasps> so then there's the Instagram, a Goofy Movie Minute. You could email us at a Goofy Movie Minute at gmail.com. If you wanted to talk to me personally, just send me a letter about, <laughs> my, per- about my performance here and maybe give me some tips. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to email me, but you can listen to that podcast and, and then uh, and I would appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks again for having me on. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights and thoughts. And um, yeah, we want to thank Duo Hanson. <laughs> We want to thank Duo Hansen for providing the music for our intro and outro for our podcast. They are super talented, and you can listen to more songs that they have provided for your listening enjoyment on YouTube. So, come back tomorrow, where we'll be talking about Minute 34, and we will see what happens to Belle, because she's being so difficult! Something is really different. I'm a growler. Give us a mustache. I'm keeping your bones.